What is up, everybody? It's Friday. You know what that means. It's another edition of Curveballs and Chair Shots. My name is Brandon Tanguma. Sitting electronically more than six feet away from me is my lovely and esteemed co-host, Dominic Cops. And Dominic, we're doing this a little earlier than we normally do. We're supposed to maybe do this at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's damn near 9 o'clock, a little later than what we're supposed to be doing. Why is that? Damn, I can hear it in your voice, Brandon. You're so excited to be talking to me right now. I'm doing fine. Um, you know, it's because, you know, someone got called in to go to work on their Friday day off. So, you know, got to make that paper, dog. How are you? Anything new and interesting going on with you? No, I mean, not really. That's not exactly the reason I was going for. You know, we are expecting a call from the studio audience at any point in this podcast. So at any point, the show can just utterly go to shit. So we've tried to plan it out accordingly, but somebody decided to sleep in a little bit. But that's okay. We're going to. Hey, hey, hey. You, better, you better not make it sound like we were, we were supposed to start at seven because you said call you at 8 30 i was 15 minutes late okay so let's not make it seem like and, it's and the studio good. audience can either call us in 10 minutes or 45 minutes we have no idea that's that's the stigma of the studio audience you never know what you're gonna do you said that, not me. Now let's get into the NFL news. We have a lot of quarterback signings. We thought only one we were going to talk about today, but then in the wee hours of the morning, we had some some Patriots and former Patriots re-signing with their teams. But first we have Dak Prescott re-signing a contract extension with the Dallas Cowboys. Four years, $160 million, $126 of that is guaranteed. He will be the second highest paid quarterback behind old Patty Mahomes. Dominic, we talked about Dak last year when he was injured, his possibilities of re-signing or going and getting a bag. You are on record saying you do not think Dak Prescott will start all 16 games, not because he's going to get injured, but because you think he's going to be so trash that he's going to be benched. Now that he's officially gotten the bag, are they still going to bench Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, because he's going to be trash. I mean, my 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 own personal opinion, yeah. But you know, there's others who might think that you know he's a great quarterback, might be better than Tom Brady. But Tom Brady won a Super Bowl, and you know he hasn't. You know, whatever, no big deal. But no, I I still think you you got to. I don't know. He hasn't really. I don't know how to explain it. He he broke his leg, right? It was a broken leg or? I mean, he like shattered. I don't know if it's his ankle or what. You know, it's a lower leg injury. Yeah, but something like that. I mean, it's I'm not going to say it's hard to come back from because Alex Smith, God, you know, God bless him, almost died and, you know, came back and just put up great numbers. So. You know, not not to say he's not going to come back and, and be great, but you never know. Some people come back from injuries different than others, and I would have maybe told him, like, you know, hey, we're going to resign you, but we're not going to guarantee you as much as we are. And, then, you know, if you put up great numbers, you know, we're good. But, you know, that's just how I feel. 
But when either you have to franchise tag them, which if they franchise tag them, they have to be paying even more money than what they're going to be paying them right now this year. He's just going to go somewhere else. You know, there's a team out there somewhere that is going to be willing to pay Dak. And yeah, coming back from a gruesome injury like that on paper should be tough. But going in, I mean, those first three games, Dak Prescott was on pace to break pretty much every single season passing record. Now, if he comes back and he's even like three quarters of what he was in that first, you know, those first three games, he he will be phenomenal. Now, the Cowboys need to sign or to build their defense. That defense got awful. We all know that. You have Zeke. He kind of had an up and down year. You got Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. You got good pieces on the offense. Now, you need to build the defense. But we've kind of talked about it. When you have such a high-paid quarterback, sometimes that'll tie you you know that's going to tie you up in one position that you can't invest in other positions and i think right now the cowboys desperately need to invest in other positions it's jerry jones he has a shit ton of money there's probably some tv deal coming down in the pipeline to get you know an influx of cash but with the cowboys they as they are right now it's a good it's obviously a good signing for them they they need a quarterback the mike mccarthy situation we don't know what he's going to be looking like in the next couple of years. So kind of signing him, signing Dak for the next four, kind of guaranteeing he's going to be in the Dallas Cowboys. I like it. And I think he'll start all the games if he's healthy. Do you think four years is, a? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Derek Carr got like six to seven years or something like that. Do you think four years is a good deal or do you think it's not enough? He should get more or less. Like, do you think it's, it was a perfect deal for him? I think it's kind of that happy medium ground that both sides can kind of benefit from coming back for the injury. You don't want to invest too, too much. You don't want to give him, you know, six, eight years, anything crazy like that, because we don't know what he's going to look like. Now you are investing a lot of money into somebody who just came off of a very serious leg injury. All signs point to he'll be back by the time the season starts. And if he balls out or if he's even, you know, the regular deck, not even the first three games, just regular deck. He's one of the best top five quarterbacks in the league. Then after those four years, who knows? There's probably going to be another quarterback that's making even more money annual than the Patrick Mahomes. Maybe if he balls out, Dak Prescott can be the first $50 million player. We don't know. So I think right now it's a good event. It's, you know, it works on both sides. Dak is going to get a lot of money up front. He's getting a lot of money guaranteed. But then if he proves himself, he can make even more money in the long term, but if he doesn't, the Cowboys, yeah, they're going to eat a lot of money, but at least you're not like tied to him for a long time. Okay, then, Brandon, you're smart. You're a lot smarter in the morning. I just realized that. Oh, maybe that just offsets somebody else who's maybe a little slower in the morning, especially because they just woke up about ten minutes ago. Oreo, is that true? No, I guess we'll find out. Well, in the morning, we had a few new signings with the quarterbacks. Tom Brady has signed an extension with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, it's a little confusing because I've tried to look around and Adam Schefter said it's a four year extension and he's guaranteed through one, you know, through 2022 next year. Some other people are just saying it's a one year extension. So we're just going to say Tom Brady definitely will be playing for the next two seasons for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, maybe there's some uh, options on the back end that kind of leaves it out. But Tom Brady 
re-signing or, you know, contract extensioning, if that's even a word, because it definitely is not, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Once again, Brady kind of restructuring his deal to where his team doesn't have to pay him all that much. They can focus on other aspects of the game. And say what you will about Tom Brady, if you, you know, him personally, if you don't like him, he's always been a team player. He's always take, he's always He's always underpaid. And I know he's like the best quarterback of all time. He might be in his mid forties. He's worth a whole hell of a lot of money than what he's ever really been paid for in Tampa Bay and with the new England Patriots. I mean, I, for me, it's just the fact that, you know, he's won so many championships and especially going to Tampa Bay and being like, I, you know, don't pay me shit. I'll get you a title. And he kind of, you know, kept that promise, you know, I'm surprised he didn't ask for more, but I definitely think if he repeat, I think it's kind of like, in my opinion, the way I'm looking at it, it's like a Kevin Durant situation. Goes to the Warriors with his deal. They win it. Come, You know, says, okay, I'll, I'll come back. They win it again. You know, come back. Oh, lost. All right, I'm leaving. So I think it's going to be that, that, that type of situation where as long as they're winning, he'll stay. Second he loses, he might leave. I could, I could see that situation happening. When you're Tom, when you're Tom Brady and you're married to one of the most famous supermodels in the world, I think it's a little easier to to take a pay cut because you know there's a lot of income coming from the other side of that household. And Tom Brady, I believe, 46, he will be next year. That will guarantee him to be the oldest, I think, player to ever start a game outside of I think Adam and Terry, you know, being a kicker or whatever like that. So Tom Brady, he he's still doing it. Just won a Super Bowl, obviously. And now that they've taken, you know, he's taking a pay cut, they can restructure it. The cap isn't going to be hit as hard. I know last week was too much economics, but right now with everything going on in the NFL, they just released the cap limit for all the teams and blah, 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 blah. We're not going to get into all that, but there are more roster moves that we will talk about. Then going back to New England, Tom Brady's replacement, quote unquote, Cam Newton. He has re-signed with the Patriots a one-year, $14 million deal. We thought this was the end of Cam Newton in New England. It wasn't exactly the prettiest on-field relationship. Cam could run the ball, couldn't exactly throw it, but yet he's back in New England for another season. I I would love to see if last year was just a fluke, freak kind of, you know, did you know, maybe he wasn't prepared mentally because of everything going on, and that's why he, you know, kind of didn't live up to the hype of Cam Newton. So I'm happy he's back. Definitely, you know, hope that he does better. I mean, I'd like to see him kind of, you know, give the Patriots a good run in the, you know, post-Tom Brady era. So I hope everything turns out good for him. Yeah, personally, I'm happy for Cam. After last year, he was like the last – free agent really signed to a team and now this year you know before free agent really even picks up he gets signed re-signs with the Patriots I'm hoping that he does bounce back you have the Patriots were hit the hardest from COVID in terms of sit-outs they had a lot of key names sitting out maybe that was Bill Belichick tanking intentionally unintentionally to get a better draft pick knowing that this probably wasn't their year so when you have the defense you know a lot of the defensive players coming back next season that's not going to help them offensively I Still, the passing game for the Patriots is a big, big question mark. Now, if they can get, even if they get like a, a 
marquee receiver in the draft. I don't know if that's exactly going to help him or if they, re- if they sign a free agent, if that's going to help him because they have some talented wide receivers over there, Jacoby Myers and other people of that ilk. Just Cam couldn't throw the ball. Now, is that him having a bum shoulder and he can't really throw it like he used to? Possibly. But yet he's what, like in his early 30s and he's still running the ball like he used to back in his MVP season. So it, it's interesting. I, I still hold out hope for Cam because Cam was pretty good, at least throwing the ball earlier in the season. I know he had the game against the, te- uh, the Texans where he just threw it all over the place. Now, that's the Texans. They are lightweight, heavyweight trash. But, uh, yeah, I mean, th- I, there's just not really any better options, I would say, out there for the Patriots unless they have their eye keen on a rookie that they want to draft and maybe groom for this season or they think they can get a trade. But I think Cam is, for right now, their best option. I would have to agree. He's probably the – he's the best option in, a, in, in the war situation just because – you know, there's probably not a lot of there's not a lot of other quarterbacks out there that you can trade for that want him or want to be in that situation. So I think it's fine. And then, like you said, I, you know, Belichick has a plan going on. So something's going to happen. You already know it. Then we got a bunch of NFL franchise tagging and cuts that have happened. And we have a little bit of signing news. Uh, so we're just going to kind of run through them. I can get Dominic's reaction individually. We're not going to go too in-depth with all these. Uh, Mark Ingram, he has signed with the Houston Texans. They had Duke Johnson. They released him. Now they signed Mark Ingram to back up David Johnson. Very, I mean, very similar type of uh, running backs. Duke Johnson was more of kind of the elusive, smaller pass-catching back while david johnson's more of an overall type of back but also more powerful than duke johnson was so signing mark ingram a little bit quiz quiz quizzling questioning why you would go in that direction over duke johnson but i mean good veteran presence people people love him in the locker room so i guess especially with jj walk on i guess that's a good addition for the the texans locker room which as it seems right now is a complete another mess you know, I'm I'm actually surprised they signed Mark Ingram. Um, last year wasn't maybe one of his best years. And once again, I I'm last season. I'm not gonna say it's a fluke, but it was just a weird, probably just a weird vibe and everything. So, going off of, you know, getting released from the Ravens, getting signed with the Texans, it's kind of just odd, I guess, because I just don't think he is. I, I don't think he's better than. Um, uh, they're Johnson. both Johnson. Johnson. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, I can't remember which one, but I don't think he's better. I think they're probably about the same, like you said. So, you know, I, I'm. You know, to me, it doesn't really matter. Then we have the New Orleans Saints releasing Emmanuel Sanders. You know, kind of he had to fill in for Mike Tom, Mike Thomas, Michael Thomas. That's his name, I believe. I almost want to say Mike Tomlin. But uh, he has been released, so we get a lot of veteran wide receivers being released at this time, trying to save some cap space. I mean, I, I think he's still a good addition. Yeah, he might have been a little disappointment as a Michael Thomas fill-in, but for a, a team kind of looking for that second wide receiver veteran presence, I, I mean, I think he, he's worth the signing. Man, that, I know he got released. I was trying, I was trying to think, where would he go? I mean... 
back to the 49ers if they would take him, you think? I, it's, it's one of those things where if you're trying to build around a quarterback, you know, a young quarterback, uh, you know, why not go back? I'll, I can see him going back to the Niners. I can definitely see that happening. The Buccaneers have extended linebacker Levante David. Two years, $25 million, saving some money with Tom Brady, able to spend some money with one of their marquee linebackers, one of their best players defensively on the team. So good for them, right, Dominic? It's a great for them. Great, a.k.a. Dominic doesn't know what to say. The uh, Chicago Bears franchise tag, Allen Robinson, star wide receiver. There might have been some, some issues between player and club, but they franchise tag him. So he will be back another year. I mean, the bears, I it's the bears. I think the defense is going to be there. Mitch Trubisky being the quarterback is always going to be a question mark. I thought there was a lot of speculation that they were going to release him or they were going to, uh, uh, like trade him or something like that. But the franchise French franchise tag him is kind of odd to me, but I mean, worth it. Definitely worth it. Uh, sticking with the bu- sticking with the Buccaneers, we had a lot of Buccaneers news. They franchise tag Chris Godwin. He had a he had a pretty good year this year, and just you won the Super Bowl this year. Might as well bring everybody back, run it back, and see what you can do, right? I think so. I think he did he did great. So yeah, I definitely would. Then the New England Patriots trade for offensive lineman, former Las Vegas Raider Trent Brown. Yeah, I mean, he might have been a little, little overweight not having his best season last year, but the Patriots get an offensive lineman. A definite upgrade, I would say, for them. Dominic, you know, your thoughts either from the Patriots' perspective or from the Raiders' perspective. I mean, all I can say is maybe didn't have the best season, but you know coming into this season he's going to be healthy and you know, it's a great pickup for the Patriots and it's going to be a great loss for the Raiders. So especially when, you know, Derek Carr needs all the time he can get and, you know, he just lost a, a decent piece of that, you know, lineup. So it sucks. Uh, the Green Bay Packers have not franchise tagged Aaron Jones, one of the top tier running backs in the league we all know running backs kind of get disrespected especially after you know their their rookie deal or kind of that second deal Aaron I mean the I believe the Packers are intending to try to re-sign him but they just don't want to spend the money that they would have to waste on franchise tagging him Dominic I mean obviously one of the best running backs and the Packers should re-sign him correct I agree I definitely but see I'm kind of I'm kind of with him and not French uh, franchising him just yet, but maybe, you know, call me disrespectful just because I think you can probably get something a little better in the next year or two. The Lions told Kenny Galladay that they will not use a franchise tag on him. So now Kenny Galladay is a unrestricted free agent. Maybe the since Allen Robinson is franchise tag, Kenny Galladay being that marquee name for the wide receiver group. I mean, he's. I think he still has a lot of juice left in the tank. Definitely worth a sign. It's just how much are you willing to pay for this guy? Do you think wherever he goes, he's going to be, you know, a high target, or do you think there's somebody better out there? I mean, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. 
last season playing fantasy football, hearing all this Galloway shit, I was just like, who is this guy? And I finally, like, towards the end of the season, started, like, to watch games with uh, uh, Detroit games. I was like, oh, okay, he's kind of good. But I didn't really pay attention pretty much all season long. So is he worth – is he going to be worth it? Or would you rather go over, like, with Sanders or something like that? It all just comes down to what the player is demanding. Kenny Galladay, I believe, is a better – player he's a better wide receiver he can be a viable number one now if you're i don't know exactly what the wide receiver market is but let's just say for shits and giggles kenny galladay is demanding 15 million dollars while emmanuel sanders is kind of around the eight million dollar range now it, it all just kind of depends on your economics and what you're willing to pay maybe emmanuel sanders is a better budget play but kenny galladay is he, he still has a lot left in the tank yeah, he was kind of injured throughout the year, which kind of affects where you can really, you know, analyze him and blah, 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 blah. But it, it just all depends on what team sees fit to to sign him. Because if you want him to be the number one guy, I mean, he, he's good enough to be your number one receiver, obviously. But do you want to kind of take that chance? And if he can get paired with another one, if he can be like a 1A or a 2, then phenomenal i just kind of thinking off the top of my head i can't really think of anybody but your franchise tag alan robinson try to pair him up with kenny galladay in chicago i mean that should be a lot of fun but then also that might rub robinson the wrong way be like look you're trying to you're you're willing to pay kenny galladay but then you don't want to pay me like what the hell and then you know it's just a deshaun watson situation Ooh, i would love to see another deshaun watson situation though that'd be fun so that's that's pretty much it, unless there's some glaring omission. I tried to like scroll through Instagram and see all the different pictures of uh, people that have been released and tagged him. Blah, blah, blah. Now, let's get into the world of pro basketball. We talked about Blake Griffin being released or getting bought out from the Detroit Pistons last week. Apparently, the buyout market is very active this time of year, and... Blake Griffin lands on his feet. He has signed with the Brooklyn Nets. The rich get richer, Dominic. Blake Griffin, not exactly what he was 10 years ago, but still a, a, you know, a valuable piece. And going to the Brooklyn Nets, the super is just super duper teams, right? So when it was just Kyrie and KD, I was like, all right, you know, I expect him to do great things, possibly win the championship when James Harden came in I was like you know what fuck the Nets bunch of pussies because they're just gonna fucking create it you know everybody wants to say the Warriors had a super team with KD Clay and Steph and all that but that was it there's three all right and you know they won and they won a championship and Draymond don't disrespect Draymond because he will come after us and beat our ass yeah, sure. When you get fucking te- teed up at the end of the game, kiss my oh, ass. Dominic got heat with Draymond. But still, the thing is, like, you know, the Warriors won it with just Steph, with, 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 with whoever they drafted. They didn't sign fucking three people and all this other stuff. But now that they add Blake Griffin, it puts even it, I, I hate him even more. It's like no, not not to say Blake Griffin is that piece that's going to push them to the championship and they're going to be this great ass team. But it's the fact that you have fucking four all stars, dude, like. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Screw you for trying to make your team the best possible team that they can. And I mean, I kind of said that Blake Griffin isn't 
and, and Dominic also said, you know, he, he's not the, the piece that's going to put him over the top. I would assume he's going to be a six man coming off the bench. I mean, maybe he's their starting center, but uh, Blake, he still has some left in the tank. Now, how much is that? We don't know, but just how great they are offensively. I, I Maybe Blake is more there defensive wise, but Blake has never really been like the most defensive prowess center in the world. Maybe I mean, I, I still feel that's going to be the Brooklyn Nets downfall. They're just going to, if you just have two games that are kind of off and you don't score 130 points, and then maybe you're facing, you know, the Bucks or someone who just shoots the lights out one day and they outscore you. And I, I still feel the, as much as they have star talent now, when it comes to the playoffs, maybe they turn it up defensively, but that's still like the glaring weakness of the Brooklyn Nets. And it's, it's always what we got to look for, for, playoffs and it's what happened with the the rockets with harden they were fantastic shoot the lights out score 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 and then just for some reason when it gets to playoff time yeah they would run into the warriors more often than not but they still would just shit the bed defensively so what you're saying is if james james harden loses it for the nets in the playoffs he's gonna get the shit beat out of him and kicked out of new uh out of brooklyn now, when you have so much star talent, it's kind of hard to just place the blame on James Harden. Now, if he goes 0 for 10 from beyond the arc and has some turnovers and blah, 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 then yeah, you can you can put a hefty blame on James Harden. But when you have KD and Kyrie, they should be able to take the brunt, you know, take the burden off of James if he's not living up to expectations or vice versa. But uh, the, I mean, playoffs should be fun, seeing what the Brooklyn Nets can do. Maybe the, the Nets can can finally win their championship that they've been looking for. I talked about the buyout market being very fruitful in the NBA right now. As we approach the trade deadline, it looks like the buyouts is really what is going down in the NBA. LaMarcus Aldridge, he has been bought out from the, or the, I guess the Spurs have bought out LaMarcus Aldridge. We've kind of talked about him kind of throughout, you know, these past few years. He's kind of bouncing back and forth between teams. Very similar to Blake Griffin, maybe a little tad below Blake Griffin right now. Dominic, anybody you really see him going to don't think he's going to go to the Nets, but you know, he, he's a talented veteran, big man. Playoff team could, could use him. Um, and, you know, and with, and with so many teams with whatever 20 teams being technically in the playoffs, there's a lot of teams I would guess to be in the market. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think so. I'm, Somebody that pops into my head, and I don't know if it's going to work, but when he go back to Portland, I mean, I feel like the biggest downfall for them isn't Dame shooting. It's their defense and having a suitable big man down there. And Cantor, you know, as much as he's a douche, he can't do everything himself in that in the uh, in the lane. So I think he goes back to Portland and tries to win it with them. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. Lamarcus Aldridge going back home, going to the Portland Trail Blazers. Now, we, we talk some big men. We're going to talk some more big men, but for all the wrong reasons, Dominic, get ready to talk some uh, sensitive situations. Myers Leonard, you probably already know the situation at this point. He was on a Twitch stream playing some Call of Duty, and he uttered very loudly, called somebody a Jewish epithet. And uh, this, you know, sparked outrage, rightfully so. And the he came out with a statement, the he came out with a statement, and then it came out yesterday that he has officially been suspended for one week. 
and find $50,000 right now. He is injured, so he wasn't playing really to begin with. He won't lose any game checks. He's just going to be fine the 50K, and that'll be it. So going to the mailbag a little early, we have a question from old Ty Gundy, tw- Ty Gundy 27. He kind of asked, do you think that punishment is right? Is it fair? And if he were to say another racial or ethnic epithet, do you think the outrage or the punishment would have been different? So go, go going with the, with the last half of that question, if you said a different word, would it be different? I definitely think so. Um, I, I not, not, not to say that, God, this would be hard to fucking tiptoe around Come with on, Dominic, walk, <laughs> walk on those eggshells. <laughs> I feel like there's certain words that as long as you just don't say the words, Dominic, I think we're fine. Okay, good, good, good. So I would say as there are certain words in life right now that when you say them, it, it brings immediate heat and it's, they want your, they, they want you gone, fired, canceled, everything. Now the, this one that Miles Leonard said, I feel like it's, it, oh God, is this, okay. If I, I'm just going to say it, if I can cancel, we can cancel. I feel like the word that he said isn't as harsh as another word, so to speak. Um, it's still very At least wrong. public perception wise. Yes, yes, exactly. Trying to help but you. thank you, because I, I was like, you just got to put that. Be... You guys just got to put that extra sentence on the end of that. Yes, but. But no, I, I do kind of agree if he said a, another word for another thing, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? I feel like a certain you mean people... another human Dominic canceled. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> no, but I, I do agree. If it was another word, I feel like people would be a lot more outraged. Now, uh, the I, I feel like that that the Jewish community, you know, they've been through so fucking much that maybe, you know, it. It, they're not i'm not gonna say they're numb to it but maybe it's something like that like it they they know when it's not he's not you know or not well yeah maybe he but they know when he's not being a serious like you're being fucking racist dude like damn because he was playing a video game i'm not trying to justify it but it sounds like i am now but he's playing a video game call of duty you know all this other stuff and maybe he didn't realize it was tore that word meant what it meant um so you know, it may, maybe it's more like, okay, he's learning. He learned that. Don't say that. He's learning more about the, the, the faith and everything. And, you know, maybe he's a better person in the end. $50,000, I think, is fine. I think he should be gone for a couple weeks, go to some training, becoming a better human being. But that probably won't happen. It's looking as though Myers, Miles Leonard, Myers Leonard is possibly on the trading block he might his days might be over with the miami heat 50k one week i mean he's already injured so it's not like he wasn't playing it's not like he's you know missing game time at all it's gonna hurt the team so it is kind of a slap on the wrist but i will go kind of down the same path as dominic he was playing a video game he was live on twitch he obviously shouldn't have said it like what he said. I be honest, I didn't know what that word meant. So I had to kind of look it up and uh, he said it just kind of out of the blue. I feel like when he said it, he didn't like mean like any racial, you know, negativity towards the person, just something that he said. 
And if you haven't, go read Julian Edelman's statement on Instagram. He kind of reached out to him and he, I think he said it perfectly. You know, not, we don't, I don't feel like you have hate towards us. It's just the, the ignorance. And that's really what's the problem with our country and our world in general. Yeah, there's some very outwardly racist people who are still doing things that you should not be doing. But there's also, you know, some ignorance that people say words that they shouldn't be saying. They have, you know, they have feelings towards people that maybe aren't outwardly portrayed, but there's still a little simmering of racism. And, you know, just because he said the word doesn't mean he hates all Jewish people and everything like that. It's just a word he said. Maybe he didn't have that meaning towards it, but he still said it and you shouldn't say it and everything of that nature. And, you know, we're all trying to work to be better people and you were kind of going down that same route of it was Call of Duty. And I, I was you know, going to say kind of the same thing that we, we say dumb things. We're in the heat of moment, but you obviously shouldn't have said it. And yeah, I mean, if he were to say a different word, obviously, if he were to say the N word or he would have said something, you know, towards the black community, there would have been maybe a more maybe consensus outrage. I think when he said it, there was some outrage kind of at the beginning, but then it has kind of faded away. Now, uh, what, what, who's the, I'm trying to think of the, the white Eagles wide receiver who like, you know, was like, I'm going to fight every N word in here. That was by far and away way worse than what he said. Now, you know, kind of different climate, but what he said was, I mean, whew, he should have been canceled and, you know, been suspended for a whole hell of a longer than what they're doing with Miles Myers Leonard. I don't, I don't remember the name, but my thing is, you know, how many times have we been playing Warzone and our third member in our trios has said hurtful things to me because I don't see a guy shooting him and he's like, Dominic, I hate you. <laughs> it's okay, Dominic. It's okay. We haven't played Call of Duty in a little bit. I guess this is the wrong time to bring it up that me and that other, the third member, the third man, as one might say, your boy clutched up yesterday. Just saying. Well, no, in in a duos, you're not you're not playing with another third, are you? No, we're not duos. We're not cheating on you, Dominic. Even though we may or may not have cheated on you and playing with the uh, other enemy of the frenemy podcast, but not not this week. Uh this might be the last time we record. I'm I'm hurt. I'm hurt. It's okay. It is okay, Dominic. So that that's it for the the Myers Leonard situation. You know, go read. Julian Edelman's post on Instagram. I thought he kind of summed it up quite well. And one more great topic, one more eggshell topic for Dominic as we await the studio audience's phone call, which should be coming in any minute now. We have kind of officially reached the one year of COVID. We've been in quarantine for pretty much a year now. I mean, I'm never going to forget that Wednesday night watching Dynamite, switching over to ESPN, the Thunder Jazz game, comes out that someone tests positive and they just kind of evacuate the entire building and the world has never been the same since Dominic and not trying to get political and, you know, trying to go too deep into vaccines and their response to COVID, but just kind of your thoughts. We're a year into this. We're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, what you, what you kind of expected when it first happened and it's kind of effect and how the world of wrestling and sports has uh, responded to it. She is calling me, so we're going oh, to wait, wait and find out. So we call a tease in the business. All right, so we will come right back once Dominic talks to the studio audience, and we can hear Dominic's thoughts on the COVIDs. Ah! 
And we're back. Dominic is back off the call from with the studio audience. Dominic, it's been about two and a half months. I think the people need an update on how she's doing. <laughs> she's, I don't know how to explain it, Brandon. She's uh, she's amazing. She has a new job officially hired on. She's kicking ass and taking names. She's she she is the man of all American labels in Dublin, California. She is fucking kicking ass and taking names, man. She is amazing, making that money. She got a job, Brandon. Do you got a job? Well, I had an interview on Wednesday, and then they said, you know, maybe we'll call you that same day for a position, and then they haven't called me. <laughs> what job was this for? It's going to be your newest marketing assistant for Millennial Boss Network. Millennial Boss. <laughs> I know. It's a really stupid name, and I really don't want to do it because I don't want to wear a suit every day, but, you know, it's something. Whoa. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk next podcast about something going on with me, possibly. Ooh, okay, okay. I heard maybe my stepdad is going to be working with you. Any update on that? Maybe he'll be working by himself, Brandon. Mm. Well, anyways, Dominic, before we were uh, not so rudely interrupted by the studio audience, we were going to talk about the COVID. It's been a pretty much one year since everything went down, I know you can kind of go back and listen into the archives. We we're maybe not dismissive about it, but we thought, oh, you know, maybe by the end of the summer, everything will be back to normal. It's kind of like Ebola or whatever the hell swine flu. We'll, we'll get over it in a couple months. It's a little more serious than that, but we got this. We got this yet. We're, we're in it a year and maybe, maybe by like 4th of July, we can we can get things back to our new normal, Dominic. Your thoughts on the COVID's one year, your expectations in terms of reality. Don't got to get political, but how sports and wrestling has kind of evolved and reacted to it. Well, Brandon, it has been four scores and one year ago that the world has been turned upside down. Millions and so millions. 80, so have died. 81 years ago. Yep. Damn. Crazy. It's been amazing. A lot of people have died. A lot of countries gone to war. Nothing will break our American spirit. I should be fucking president. God damn it. That would be better than Biden. Um, any hoots. No, I mean, I, I, I think everybody, especially in the sports community and even the wrestling community were very dismissive and, you know, like, oh, okay, you know, maybe we'll just take a small little break and come back. But, I mean, I, I don't think anybody expected it to get as bad as it did. I mean, th- yes, there were some who were like, hey, this shit's legit, be careful, but most of the people were like, eh, who cares? There are still people who go, eh, who cares? Um, I, for one, you know, you like know, the I'm entire not trying state to- of Texas. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, you know, come, you know, and this isn't a dig at you, Brandon. This is just legitimately, you know, my stance and how I feel. Um, you know, when I was at work, I hate, I wasn't wearing a mask when it first started. I was like, fuck it. If I die, I die. And there's no mask mandate. Everything was fine. And then out of nowhere, the mask mandate came and I hated life. I really hated it because working in a hundred degree weather with a mask on my face and I, I take it off to take a breath of air and someone yells at me. It was really annoying. Now, looking back, 
I understand full heartedly. Yeah. Masks were a big issue. I wish everybody would have maybe been a little more mature, um, including myself about the distancing and the, and the masking and the, Remember, you know, Dominic, when we got into a mini fight because I yelled at you in the parking lot because you took your mask off? Oh, that was such a great time. That was because you fucking lunged at me to put it back on my face. Like, you know, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother couple. Of I months, will but, fight you. But it was one of those things where, you know, and, and, and I still feel like that. You know, if I'm in the parking lot and there's no one around me besides like if it was you. I mean, granted, now I feel, you know, I need to stay covered when I'm around you, but. You know, if it's just me and the studios walking to my truck and there's no one around me, I'm taking it down. I'm not fucking going to keep it on because, you know, I want some fucking fresh air. Now, if I'm in the fucking mall parking lot and I can't fucking, you know, look around me and see, you know, if I see a sea of people, I'm keeping it on because I don't trust other people now. Yeah, don't trust anybody. And Dominic with an awkward, fast mute. So I don't know what the hell's going on with him, but uh, I, had a, yeah. I had a throat full of phlegm, if you know what I mean. But but no, I and, you know. And I don't want to talk about vaccinations because there are some people on this podcast who are for it and some that are not against it, but just don't want the first rounds, so to speak. And, you know, don't want to get into another fight, you know, and that, that's one thing I, I love. I think, about I think the people can uh, deduct who's who, who's whom. Yeah. But, you know, and that's what I love about this podcast. Brandon, this is what I love about our friendship is the fact that you can do something to utterly piss me the fuck off but I still love you and vice versa. Me and Mary can just complete utter assholes, fuck you over. And yet you're still, you're still a reliable dependent friend. And I appreciate that. Come on, Dominic. We know you, you would never fuck me over. Come on. You're a yeah. guy. Yeah. Because, you're never you know, the one that fucks me over. I really hope she doesn't listen back to this. Anyways. No way. Hang on. But one more thing. And this is a, Message to Ty Gundy. Thanks for fucking outing me the other day. Fucking playing Fortnite and fucking saying like, oh, Dominic, we're playing Call of Duty earlier. Fucking got me in trouble. Got my ass whooped because of you, motherfucker. I'm a good friend. I don't snitch people out. And this is why we haven't played Fortnite in like two weeks. It's all Tyler's fault. Good job. Good job. You're never going to get your baby Yoda. Have you gotten baby Yoda yet? No, I fucking haven't. Damn, hate to see it. Sorry, Grogu. Don't want to dead name him. But I, I mean, you know, Dominic kind of went on this whole tangent about him personally. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you go back, I was kind of like, oh, by SummerSlam, we're going to have uh, we're going to be fine. We're going to have fans back and blah, 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 blah. And uh, yeah, that, that, that did not happen. But I will say basically wasting my ent- entire year 26 of my life. It definitely has made me appreciate, you know, things and made appreciate crowds and i'm not the most social person in the world i used to hate crowds i mean i think i'm still when we get back to normal i'm still going to hate people and hate being in long lines but i'm not gonna you know i'm gonna take it i'm not gonna take it for granted anymore because just the other day you know sometimes i go down my rabbit holes and i was watching like old concerts and stuff like that i was like damn you know that could have been us last year and once again double or nothing officially got canceled and so it's going to be even a longer time until possibly we do something, a vacation, a little special for you, <laughs> for you guys for, on the podcast. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely unprecedented I, times. And shit. I do want to point out that uh, speaking of going back in the archives, you want to know what me and Mary watched the other day? What did you guys, did you watch like our vlogs, even though we didn't really have vlogs? No, it wasn't our vlogs. It was your vlog of oh Russell Mania Access. I think it was... Was it day 
two. Yeah. It was it was the, the one, one that, that ended. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say the one that's popped off. The one that's most views is like day one. I think. Is that the one where it ends with the I think the PWG show with Gargano and them? Well, that would not be PWG. That be Evolve. Whatever. That would be day one. Yeah. So yeah. So we watched day one, and Mary was like, "Oh my god, look at Brandon. He's so awkward." And, you know. And well, that was like my know. first ever like vlog I ever I think I ever did. I mean, I've done some like. I did like some day in the lifes and I would like videotape, but I wouldn't like really be on camera that much. Or I would sit in my room and I would like record stuff, but I never was like out in the wild. And that was really awkward. Because like if you <laughs> out go in back, the wild, you're a big, the baby Giselle Brandon just walking around the parking lot. Yeah. If you go back, cause I watched it and I like, I go into the access store and I'm like trying to show all these things. And I'm like, so scared that people will notice me that I only show it for like two seconds. You can't even see what the fuck I'm showing. I remember that too. I was like, like you should, you should like the price tag too. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Like show me the merch. Like, come on. Yeah. I don't want anyone looking at me like I'm an idiot, but anyways, moving on done with the sports. Now let's get into the fan mail questions. Otherwise known as Mr. X's questions, questions, questions of the week. Bum, bum. Looking there we go. over on the Instagram, we don't have any questions, but we do have a statement from our number one fan, Haley. Oh, since, we had, since we had to do an early podcast, I posted a little earlier than we normally did. Usually I'll post like at midnight Friday, yeah. but this time I posted it kind of, you know, Thursday night. And she says, wow, hold on. <clears throat> wow. When I don't have a question, you post this early. Well, Haley, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dominic's not sorry because he's not responsible for the Instagram. Yeah, you know, I'm not responsible for anything. I'm just not a responsible adult anymore. Kind of lost my my grip on reality. So, you know. Anyways, back back to the Mister X of the questions of the week. Well, technically, we did have a question from Ty Gundy regarding Myers Leonard. So, you know, thank you, Ty Gundy, for that question. Despite outing Dominic and myself playing Call of Duty in the morning, so now we can't play till like ten o'clock now. So we get like yeah. three games in, maybe. Exactly. You know, and granted, now you're gonna have to wait till next Wednesday and Thursday. To play. Oh, and maybe Friday. So, you know, thanks. We're not going to get the gang back together this weekend? Probably not because, you know, Mary's really heated about this stuff. Oh, there's like legitimate heat here? I mean, I might be winking an eye. I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll talk. We'll talk business off the air. We'll talk chat. You know, maybe uh, Tyler needs to make me those jalapeno poppers. Just saying. Anyways. When are we going to have that state, you know, once we get, once, uh, you know, maybe one of us or both of us or all of us get vaccines and we can get back to normal, we can finally have our stake off slash basketball face off against Trap Road to Hell, which we haven't forgotten. I mean, gyms opened up today. So next week I'm going to go back to the gym. I'm going to get fucking shredded and we're going to ball the fuck out. I I will say uh, without giving anything away. I do need to stay below 275 and I weighed myself two days ago and I was 260. So, you know, I might possibly need to start, you know, you know, going back to the gym possibly. So Ooh, we get to go back to the gym. Maybe. And let's just get on with Mr. X. I mean, He's when I, when I, when I got, when, when we went, when the gyms first started reopening in November, I really got in trouble with studio audience. That was fun times, but now Tyler's the one that's in trouble with studio audience. Yay. Well, I mean, Yay. I guess it's all of us because we all took, place and take took part of it but it's our Tyler's fault let's just be honest right yeah because you know snitches dig ditches for their own dead bodies okay because they be some bitches exactly Bars. anyways 
Let's get into these questions. Yeah, I can't rap. Anyways, uh, he says, howdy. So, hi. A little awkward, but hi. Um, I'm waiting for you to interrupt me because you always fucking do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the question very slowly and wait for you to jump in. Are, howdy. There we go. Are we seeing the resurgence of James Harden since joining the Nets? I think so. I think he's a punk-ass motherfucker still, but definitely he is going back to his old ways of just being a fucking beast. So, Brandon, you know, James Harden, fucking beast again. Uh, he, I mean, I think he's always been a beast, and we talked a little bit about it with the Blake Griffin thing. I think we talked about it last week when we did our like kind of first half retrospective. He is just completely balling the fuck out, and it's not just he's jacking up threes and shooting 45% when he's shooting like 50 shots a game. He's passing the ball a lot. Like he's a well-versed offensively. He's well-versed and he's doing everything. So defensively, you can make fun of him and everything like that. But we all know James Harden is there to get buckets and get buckets for other people. And it might be a little easier because you got Kyrie and KD on your team, but still he is doing the damn thing. Oakley Doakley onto a subject that, you know, whole hell of a lot better than me. Is, is there any- time or please don't be NCAA basketball. Ooh, maybe here's a curveball. Let you kind of be on your toes and see which way you lean. Is there anyone else for Amanda Nunes to fight, or will she have to retire as champ in order for others to get opportunities at those titles? So Amanda Nunes, best woman fighter in the history by far. One forty-five. She has pretty much just cleaned it out. Now she's also pretty much cleaned out one thirty-five. But thirty-five has always been the more deeper division kind of the more natural division for women 45 you know you got your i mean the 45 division was built for cyborg and then nunez you know beats her decisively cyborg's gone holly home beat her she's gone megan anderson beat her she's gone so i wouldn't be shocked if they just up and retire the 145 belt we thought possibly they would do that uh for the lighter male divisions, they haven't exactly, they haven't done that quite yet, but I mean, she's got mom strength. Now we saw with Mike Trout last year, once you get a kid, just some switches with those elite athletes and Amanda Nunes, she is a scary, scary person. And I don't, I know this was, it's as, I think it's even kind of, well, I don't know if I kind of equate her to Ronda Rousey in her peak because we never seen anybody that dominant in, you know, MMA kind of period, but I don't see anybody beating Amanda Nunes for the foreseeable future. I mean, I don't, I don't know much about her, but I will say that when everybody was starting to get on Ronnie's back, uh, Ronnie's Rhonda's back. Old saying, Ronnie. <laughs> old all Ronnie. Right, all right, Becky. Sorry. When, uh, when she was R- undefeated. R- Becky Lynch is dead. T's and P's. Oh, I didn't know she, Oh my God. I didn't know he died. Oh my God, Becky. Oh my God. It's so sad. Anyways, when she was going kicking ass, taking names, everyone was like, oh, man, she's never going to lose. And then, like, I think she lost, like, the next match so or next fight. So I, I'll i give it to Nunes, dominant, but you never know. You'll get that sneaky, you know, that person will come in and just, I don't know, or just clock, clock you and you're knocked out. So, you know, that's, that's how it works, right, UFC? It'd be one thing if 
she was like taken into deep water. I mean, even with Rhonda, she was finishing women like in the first round. And then with Misha, she would get taken to the second round. And then she wouldn't like be in complete danger, but at least we kind of see her be in kind of deep water with yeah. Amanda. It's like not even close. Like, yeah, maybe she's had a couple longer fights, but she was always pretty much in control. She was never in who her winning was never in doubt. And I think that's just kind of what sets her apart from everybody else. Okay. Ludokali on to a, NFL question, and I'm going to pronounce the name wrong just because your boy is kind of stupid. John Sinta? Kinta? K-I-T-N-A? Kinta? Kaita? I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Anyway, this John guy said in a recent interview Kitna. that... Kitna? Yeah, that Kitna. Kitna! Said in a recent interview that... When he was a quarterback for the Bengals in the early 2000s, one of the players was drunk, quote-unquote, in the huddle during a game. And he said the guy wound up with 200 receiving yards for the day. He didn't say who it was, but it could probably be figured out with some research. My question is, how often do you Definitely think Definitely not type shout of- out Chosinko. <laughs> His question, though, Brandon, Mr. X's question, he's been thinking about this. He's been articulating this question that he needs our answers, Okay. His question is, how often do you think this type of thing happens with players who like to party it up? Brandon, you go first. I go second. Go. I would say that it happens more often than not. Now, Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson, just as another bean, he talks about how he eats McDonald's all the time, and yet he has a 20-pack, and he would eat a Viagra or a half a Viagra before every game, and he would just ball the fuck out. Um it, it takes a special type of person to do things like that. I mean, we in the wrestling world, it's a little bit more common where Ric Flair would just get fucking shit faced and he'd be hung over and probably still shit faced in the locker before the match. And then he goes out, goes 60 minutes and puts on absolute classic. Now, when it comes to the real sports, I think it has to be like the super duper stars that do stuff like that. Cause I mean, your talent just has to overtake the the, well, I don't know the disabilities that you're putting yourself in with the party and everything like that, but it, it probably does happen with football. I think it's maybe the hardest one to do maybe basketball, but I mean, we have the Pittsburgh pirates pitcher who threw a no hitter completely high on LSD. So that just shows you what you can do when you're a little inebriated. So the, the, the one thing, I mean, I do 100% agree with you that, you know, it's definitely possible you know, everything you said, but the question I have is, so drugs like, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there and I'm, I'm just, you know, I don't know drugs. I don't do them. You know, don't, you can't catch me, but no, I'm, um, I'm the druggie on this podcast. We all exactly. Know. Doing cocaine and fucking with your asshole. Um, but no. So the, quite the, the thing for it's me though, direct is, in the bloodstream. Exactly. More efficient. The thing, <laughs> the thing for me is, you know, like when someone does, was it meth? And they get fucking just super duper strength or they do like bath salts and they become zombies and they're just like fucking just a monster to society. Like you can't, you know, a, a taser doesn't take them out A fucking, you know, you can shoot them in the leg and they're still running after you and shit like that. Wouldn't these, I mean, you know, for football, for this guy, he said that, you know, he was, he was drunk during the game and went for 200 yards. If, if you're drunk and you get put on the field, and you put these great numbers, don't you think it's kind of like, okay, if I'm sober and I can't put those numbers up, I might as well just be drunk 24-7. You know, that pitcher that threw, an, uh, was it a no-hitter and was on LSD? Don't you think he's like, all right, maybe I should pop LSD a little more often when I play because I want to be a good player? So doesn't it come into a, play, a thing of, 
you know, maybe nor, uh, being normal, normalized to be inebriated and play. Drug. I mean, I think it's more like the the painkillers and the drug addiction. I think is probably a real thing. And if you drink, you know, a little bit of a painkiller there. So there is some aspects to it, but also when you get to like that level, it goes from you know being a little bit to being a lot of bit, and it's probably not a whole lot of fun to be doing things like that. And it probably hurts you. Not, obviously, it probably hurts you more than it helps you, but it's almost if you're like super duper drunk and you're trying and you realize that you're in that state, you almost have to focus even more. So I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, a physician or a, a brain, a brain doctor. I don't know what a neurologist, neurologist. That's a word, right? I mean, neurologist, you want it- neurologist. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Thanks Dominic for the help. Okay. Sure. But anyways, I don't know. I, I feel that that's a, you know, I, it happens probably a lot more than we even know of. And, you know, I bet you with marijuana being a little more, I mean, I'm not going to say it, it's it, the, the chokehold on it has been, that grip has been loosened up, but I feel like because it's a little more out there now and a lot of people know of it and a lot of people are more accepting of it, I feel like it's going to, you know, be a little bit better, but, you know, one can dream and one can hope and that ain't going to fucking happen because people are idiots. Um, one thing that I saw on a YouTube with Kevin Nash was he said, how many dead wrestlers would there be if, if they said you can't drink, you can't do pills, but you can smoke as much dope as you want? How many dead wrestlers would there be? I assume this is your question, not Mr. X's question. Yeah, that is just me. It'd be like fucking maybe zero to, you know, you wouldn't have, in my opinion, you probably wouldn't have a fucking Benoit going fucking crazy because as soon as he gets stressed out, it'd be like, oh, I'm relaxed now. You'd probably, you know, I bet you a lot of these wrestlers who are hurt, dead, crippled, whatever, would be a lot better off because, you know, they were doing the the, the ganja, not the fucking hard stuff. But, you know, well, there, just... there's a reason RVD still doing it, right? Yep. There we go. He's right? still here. Look at Iron Sheik. Let's Sabu fucking come on. Oh, no, Sheik was fucking hard shit. Never mind. Um, I mean, it's, it's not like the wrestlers were never smoking weed. It's just the other things. If they were only smoking weed, then that's a different story. But. It's not like they yeah. couldn't. True, true. Okay. All right. On to your favorite topic. What do you think about MLB experimenting with eliminating uh, defense shifts in the class double A ball to essentially increase batting averages on balls in play? Plus the fact that in class triple A ball, MLB is considering increasing base size about 15 square inches to 18 to increase stolen base percentage and potentially infield hits. If these rules take hold in the minors how long till we see them in the majors it all just kind of depends on what the the players sign off on i was trying i know i saw it somewhere where kind of had everything all the bullet points and what the new changes were in the minor leagues but the shifts i i would love to see kind of a more mandated shift to where you have to have two people two infielders on each side of the bat on each side of second base to you know detriment and blah 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 and you know have as he said bad balls in play average go up now when it comes to the bags i mean that one i i'm not a big fan of that one like if it's like a safety issue where you do like the softball thing where you have like another bag on the opposite side of the foul pole like yeah it might be a little gimmicky but i can see where they can where like the injuries and stuff like that which it doesn't happen all too often but sometimes you especially when you got the big thick boys over there at first base and you run into them it's not a, not a fun time but 
I, I like the shift rules, the bag one, that one's a little more up in the air. I mean, even with the stuff that they've already implemented into baseball, I'm not the biggest fan of like, I, I hate the, the extra inning set uh, runner on second rule. I think that just, I know people want the, the game to go by quicker and it already starts off with the bang and you have some extra drama just built in, in the extra innings, but I, that just takes the, the incentive, not the incentive, but you know, the integrity out of the game because you didn't really earn that run. It was gifted to you. But then you got to remember though, too. I mean, don't get me. I hate that. I hate it too. But the thing is though, you know, and let's be honest here. It's because you're not your, our, I'm an A's fan now. Remember our A's can't do shit with a runner on second. They can barely do shit with runners on all three well, bases. Well, technically, I don't exactly know what the record is, but last year when they were in extra innings, they actually did pretty good. But I'm just saying, though, it seems to be every time, you know, we were at a game, fucking, it was like, okay, come on, runner, ducks on the pond, let's get them in, come on, come on, come on, and then it was just like strike out, strike out, ground out, fly out, you know, it just, you know, it was fucking ridiculous. But you know, so it's, but it's like everybody has the same advantage. It's a, it's a runner on second. No outs, like come on, you can do it. You can fucking do it. So I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to go too down, too far down that rabbit hole. Want to get through Mister X's questions because he's just chomping at the bit about this NXT question, Brandon. Well, what is that NXT question? Could we possibly see the coronation of Kyle O'Reilly at the next takeover, or will the storyline be Karen Cross reclaiming his title? Also, why does Kyle look like he just stepped out of 1985 with that denim vest? And the Ride the Lightning t-shirt. Hey, you better. Damn, you better put, Mr. X better, stealing my jokes. I was going to say that during the NXT recap. You, you better you better put some spec on that Metallica shirt, man. Ride the Lightning. First first song I really heard from it. Well, okay, I mean, technically it's entertainment. But the first non-fucking black album song I heard, I fell in love with Metallica all over again. More of a kill em all type of guy. I know it's their first and maybe their worst. Not their worst, but... Definitely not it, the worst. But, you it's, know. it's, you know, it's kind of ugly for all the right reasons. Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning. We all know Master of Puppets is the best album of all time, at least for Metallica's sake. Anyways, so when it comes to NXT, I mean, I, I kind of see the Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole situation as similar to Gargano and Ciampa. They're going to really milk this. They're probably going to have a bunch of mashes. I wouldn't be shocked if they go into the Survivor Series takeover. Maybe that one has the title on the line, and that's how they were able to get to the next chapter. But Finn, and I would assume maybe, well, I don't know if they want to do like the women's main event and a men's main event, but O'Reilly and Cole could be main event one and uh, Balor cross main event night two. We, we kind of thought that cross was going to be on the fast track to the main roster. No words yet. Possibly he's still going to be a raw after mania call up, but I mean, I'm intrigued to see what they do with that match cross since he's come back a little bit of a disappointment. Hasn't been, you know, has been asked to do too much, but two tweener wrestlers with cross and Balor. I'm I'm intrigued because it's kind of one of those I don't see either one of these guys losing. Which, when it comes to NXT now, unfortunately, I'm scared that they're going to do a shitty finish. You know that you know that's going to happen, and you know it's going to be it's going to be somebody running in, screwing them over, and it's going to be like, oh, "Are you fucking kidding me? Just get over with." You know, we we want a match. We want a fucking full blown five star match without any shitty finishes. We just want a good match. Is that too much to ask for? I think that is a little too much to ask for. All right, Dominic, uh, Finn Balor, finger gun to your head. 
who walks out NXT champion? Karen Cross. I will go with Finn Balor. All right. Any other wrestling questions for Mr. X? Yeah, we got three more. Three more. Got aim. We'll, we'll, we'll do like, like speed round. We'll just, right. just, you know, no in depth, just going to dangle the fruit in front of him and, you know, see if he bites. Okay. You ready? So, so who's facing Lashley at WrestleMania? Is it Drew? Will Miz rear his annoying head and weasel his way back into the title picture? Go. I think it's Drew. We still have uh, rumors that Vince isn't completely set on main of, on the uh, WrestleMania matches. We only have those two SmackDown matches announced, but I think Brock is still a viable option, but I, I would go with uh, Drew, especially with the promo he cut on Raw. Okay, okay, okay. Possibly a triple threat with Brock if they can get him. Okay. I read that Vince doesn't see the upside of guys like Andrade and Aleister Black. While it looks like Andrade may be headed back to NXT based on recent tweets, what about Aleister? Will we see him in the WWE ring again? Or is he waiting out the rest of his contract so he can wrestle elsewhere? I was going to bring up Andrade because on his Twitter, he just took out all mentions of WWE. Alistair Black on his Instagram has kind of been posting a lot of Tommy End photos. Now, if that's just artistically he likes the photos or if he's trying to send some sort of message, we shall see. But both of them, I really enjoy their work. I think they are phenomenal wrestlers and definitely underutilized. We're going to talk about it, but I would, I know they have the stink on them, but I think I would take both of them over Christian. I would definitely take both of them over. Alistair Black, Tommy Ends, wherever he goes by in the indie scene when he gets released from WWE, goes to AEW. I will be a full-fledged, loyal AEW fan. Anyways, last but very not least, Brandon, fucking thigh-slapping. Can we live without it in WWE? I guess we're going to have to uh, stay tuned. I completely forgot about the whole sl- uh, slide tapping situation where uh, Adam, I don't even know if Adam Cole threw a super kick, so I kind of wasn't paying attention all that much, but the, I mean, the thigh slapping thing, it is kind of stupid, but it is apropos events of he just wakes up one morning. It's like, you know, what really pisses me off the wrestlers slapping thighs, but I do agree that sometimes it is a little too egregious at times. But Will we, the question I have though, and I can see it happening with, with no audience and everything. Could you possibly have WWE coordinate a, you know, when they super kick, can can you coordinate them with a sound? You know how they have like a, a audience applause, like the chants and everything. Could you get an audio thigh slap when they kick, so you don't have to actually see them smack in their thigh, but you still hear the the kick? You could. I don't have faith in WWE to have the perfect timing for it to work out. But you said no thigh slapping. But what about like ass slapping? Slap ass. See? Well, slap ass. Dominic, slap ass. Shut up. Shut up. Slap ass. I'm. You're making. You're, that's it. You're. You're causing me to drink a third cup of coffee. You asshole. Let's get on. Let's get on with the get on. Well, let's get on with the get on. On to some of the wrestling news. Oscar apparently has been dealing with a concussion. That is why we haven't seen her in a while. We had the uh, stellar Peyton Royce raw talk promo. And she kind of talked about how, you know, Oscar's not there. Give me a shot. Give me a chance. Oscar. We saw, I mean, everyone saw Shayna Baszler kick her tooth out. I, I would assume that was also correlated with the concussion. Dominic, your thoughts on Oscar, you know, dealing with some concussion issues. Where do you think the raw women's division overall is kind of leaning at this point? I feel like you're only true legitimate champion 
is Ox- uh, uh, Blika? Oxana? Oxka. Oxana. <laughs> Bring her back. I, I, I loved Ox- Oxana. Oxka- Oxakana. Oxakana. No, you're all, the only legitimate person you have is Oscar. Now, giving... And it sucks because I do like Paint Royce. I do like, you know... Uh, Mandy Rose. I do like Dana. I mean, there's a bunch of female wrestlers that are great talent, but nobody is as phenomenal, as uh, dangerous as, and in a good way, not, not Nia Jax dangerous, but dangerous. Like, you know, Ken Shamrock, like I could kick your ass kind of dangerous. Um, then Oscar. So if you were to, if you did not strip her, but if you were to have her drop it because she needs time to recover and everything, I don't really see a viable, replacement unless you go with Naya or Shanna, but I don't want that. So I honestly don't know how to feel. I hope, you know, I hope everything works out and, you know, I give Peyton a chance, but don't give her the title. I think Peyton is talented on the mic. I think Bill, I think Billy Kay is more talented on the mic than Peyton, but I, Peyton is maybe a better wrestler than Billy. Neither one of them are perfect by any means, but I, I do agree with you. I kind of, Give some of those wrestlers a chance, but it's also WWE overall is you da- you you know devalue all these wrestlers so much, and then when you look around, it's like oh we don't really have anybody new to push, and we probably should do something about that. You just rehash and you take Cesaro out of the the used bin and be like oh we devalued him for like seven years and he could have been a top guy, but he's Swiss. But here you go, he wins some matches on SmackDown, and now we haven't really. I mean, he's doing this thing with Seth, but. It's nowhere near what he could have been. Now, now the thing I have for that though is, is it possible that they're so desperate for somebody that they'll pull, you know, they'll go to a legend and be like, "Hey, win the title one more time, just until Austin comes back or something like that," or, you know, is that too much? I think I think it'd be too much. You want to keep the women's division strong, which. As of this point, it's not very strong at all. I mean, it's very top-heavy with Charlotte Oscar on Raw and then Bianca, Sasha, and Bailey on SmackDown. That's really like the only five wrestlers that really matter. You have uh, Shayna and Nia, but they're kind of in their own atmosphere with the tag division. But, uh, I mean, as I said, Vince is kind of up in the air about what WrestleMania is going to be looking like, and I, he wants it to be big. Two nights, first show back with fans in over a year. If he can get a Trish or a Lita or somebody. I mean, those are kind of the two that would make a difference, I guess. I don't don't really think there's a woman out there that's going to bring in mainstream fans. Like you maybe bring in the hardcores, but for most part, they're going to be watching WrestleMania anyways. So it's kind of like, do you want to bring in a legend that's maybe going to help you a little bit, but maybe in the long run hurt your current product? We'll have to wait and wait and find out. And Brennan, I will say this. I'm not trying to be, Yes, Rude, Dominic, but... I know we're running long, okay? Yeah, I wonder Re- why, jeez. Yeah, because you just keep fucking babbling. Uh, Revolution happened on Sunday. Not going to go too in-depth, but I wanted to get Dominic's thoughts. I know he might have not actually seen it, but his boy Sting, Darby Allen, fantastic match. I thought maybe one of the better matches on the show. Your thoughts on how they portrayed Sting and how... Do they can? Do you think this is the way to utilize him? Tony Khan, I think, I think it was Tony Khan, said that Sting, they're looking to do some cinematic matches, but also he has some left in the tank to do something live. Do you think that's a good idea? I think it's a great idea. The only the only negative thing I got to take away from the match itself is just the fact that 
I felt like you, you can totally see where they cut and re-rolled because there's a few times I've saw it where, you know, Sting was like, oh, I'm hurt. But then like Darby threw a bet and it was just like a clear cut, like Sting looked like, you know, it was action. And he was fine. So if they can maybe fine tune the transitions to where, you know, the next segment in the match starts or whatever, if they can fine tune. I think it would be great for Sting. And I, I definitely think Sting has has enough in the tank to do a couple live things. So, you know, I'm down for it. Overall, Revolution was a, a decent show, maybe a little bit of a letdown compared to what uh, was hyped up to be. I really liked the Sting Darby match. I thought that was maybe the best. I, I think I really enjoyed it. I thought it was even better than the Stadium Stampede. I know people love that, but I think just cinematically, the story that they told, the callback, I know you kind of shit it on Darby throwing the bat to him, but I thought that was a great spot. Uh, you know, all the in-ring matches were fine. I really enjoyed the, t- the opening tag match. But let's get into the AEW Dynamite. They kicked the show off, not with a tag team match, but with tag team wrestlers. Ray Phoenix and Pac are the number one contenders after winning the Battle Royal. Uh, but Ray Phoenix takes on Matt Jackson, still your AEW Tag Team Champions. And Ray Phoenix gets the win after a stellar singles opener here. Uh, I thought this was a good move to have Phoenix get the win over Matt. Now do they go Pack and Nick? This technically the quote unquote singles guy beating the tag team wrestler. It makes sense. But if they go back to it, do you really want to have your your tag team guys losing? But they're not they're not singles guys. So it would make sense logically, I guess. I mean, great match. I mean I I love the fact that you know, some people don't like it. I like it when two single stars get together just because of the fact that, you know, if they need to, they can they can, they can put up a good fight. Um, you know, I hope Pac and Nick or whoever the other Jackson is, whatever it is, I hope that match comes next week. And I, and I hope Pac wins because what well so he deserves. They deserve to be on the winning end for a while. And right after they kept hyping this promo, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston reunited and it feels so good. The exploding barbed wire death match went out with a whimper. They tried to recreate the Onita Terry Funk finish from 25 years ago. Thought it was fantastic until the exploding ring didn't explode. Now, Dominic, from someone who didn't watch it live but saw images and saw what happened, your thoughts on you know the expectations compared to what actually happened, and then this promo, which I thought was a fantastic promo, and I thought they. I thought in this promo, they wrote it off perfectly. Now, when it comes to what Kenny said, I thought they derailed it a tad bit, but I thought Moxley and Kingston struck the right chord here. Well, I mean, I love the fact that they're just two bros hanging out again. And, you know, like how, how Moxley was like, I know that wasn't you. It's like one of those things where he kept calling him B, which I fucking loved. But, you know, uh, I can't remember who said it best. Was it Vince or was it another legend or something like that? But, you know, the fans only remember the finish. And that's all that everyone's going to take away from it. It's like you had a, a decent match, like a really good match. And then the ending just killed it. So um, going take t- the takeaway from it is you guys had a great match that you guys fucking big old botch at the end, which I put that more on the production team or whoever um, was rigging the pyro, but fucking terrible, but great, great pick a uh, great, Recovery from Dean. Uh, no, I said, damn, you're out here dead naming him. Sorry. From good recovery from John and Eddie. Like you said, Kenny. Eh. But I, I think it's 
this got to move on. Got to forget about the past. Just move on. Then we get Cody Rhodes taking on Seth Gargas in a very quick squash match. And then Pentagon steps out from the Spanish commentary table, calls out Cody, uh, gives him little little nudge saying that I'm going to hurt your shoulder so bad that you can't carry your newborn child. And that sends Cody over the edge. Next week, they will have a match on the St. Patrick's Day smash or whatever the fuck they're trying to call this. But Cody and Penta, I think a good, fresh singles match for Cody if he's not going to be in the title picture. So is this their way of going to ride him off? Is Penta's going to fucking beat him up and then, you know, he's gone till baby whatever's better or, I mean, born? Well, the baby's, I think the baby's not due for like a couple months. So it's going to be a while for him to get quote unquote uh, written off. But I think it would be a perfect way to write him off because Penta has that move. If you're really going to drive home the shoulder, Penta has the move where he takes the arm and wrenches it back. And if you want to really put that over, even though he's done it before and they come back the next week and they're perfectly fine, or they just do it in the match and they're fine in a couple minutes. But uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they can do. I've always said Penta underutilized singles guy. Yeah. His English isn't very good, but his charisma that he carries himself off the charts and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do. I'm not expecting too, too much in terms of a finish here, but with AEW, they usually deliver with the finishes. But if I'm picking one, the story of the shoulder is so the focal point right now that I could see Penta getting the win over Cody next week. All, all I see happening is the storyline going maybe a month of this back and forth and you bring some people in and it turns into a tag thing and then you go back to the end is going to be Cody and Penta. And Cody's going to come out on top, but Penta's going to get last laugh with fucking shoulder, and that's when Baby Rhodes is born. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get Sting. He is supposed to be uh, cutting a promo with Tony Schiavone. And just like Dominic's other buddy, Jeff Hardy, he gets cut off right when he's trying to get into the middle of his promo. Sting pretty much was like, you know, we won, I won, blah, 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 blah. Nothing really too much of substance here. But Lance Archer interrupts Sting. Kind of interesting. Archer has been mainly a baby face in these situations. Now, because he interrupts Sting doesn't mean he's going to turn heel and face off Sting in a six-month feud. But it was interesting timing, to say the least. Now, I don't want to go too long into this, but I feel like this is one of those moments where Sting will have a live match. But I honestly think Sting needs to start putting over the talent. I think this is where you need to start, you know, I mean, if Sting does when he needs to be able to, at the end of the match, shake their hand, put their hand in the air and say, look, this guy's a w- real deal. He's your next big deal, whatever you want to call him. But, um, you know, I, I don't want to see Sting win every single fucking match he's in. So I hope that, especially with Archer, I hope this is the first superstar that he puts over. And I said the superstar word, shit. Damn. I think Sting is kind of in an awkward position because he's an older baby an older bigger baby face so if you put him against a younger slower or younger smaller faster heel to create the movement then i think that kind of you know offsets the the feeling you're trying to get but with lance if he's going to be a heel he's bigger he can move quick but i think if you put them you put those two in a match it's going to be a little clunky i think they're going to want to play up the big man stuff a lot not saying it's a bad thing by any means but i just think entertaining wise if it is that the direction they're going, unless it was just kind of a one-off and Sting just goes back into the rafters and just waits until his name is called upon again, then I'm fine with that as well. 
but double or nothing is coming up and that's kind of their big show. So I would assume they want sting somewhere in there. Most likely. And hopefully it's with Archer pinning, making him tap, hurting him as much as I love sting, but you know, nevertheless, go Archer. Last week, Dominic correctly predicted that Ethan page was going to be the final man in the ladder match. He was in that match did not win. That was Scorpio sky, but he has his debut on dynamite takes on Lee Johnson. Uh, the match was, was okay, but the real story was the audio issues that TNT was having. They had like uh, the ba- a basketball game in the background for some reason. So it was really hard to really get invested with that, that background noise, but Dominic, your thoughts on Ethan page being with AEW. Terrible. Fucking terrible. I don't like him. I know he has a great arsenal. I know he can deliver. I know he's a great, the great wrestler, but, I don't like him at all. I mean, he doesn't do anything for me. He's just another mid-card going to try to do something with him, and they're going to push him to the moon, and he ain't going to do shit. So I'm not on him at all. I haven't seen too much of his stuff to really have a certified opinion on him. AEW desperately, not desperately, but they need heels. And if you want to put him in the TNT title picture with with Darby, you know, a little smaller heel, so you don't have to play up the, you know, the the small role with Darby all that much. But uh, I mean, I think it's a good sign. We kind of expected this to happen, especially when WWE came out with their PC signings, and he was nowhere to be seen. I'm going to take more of a wait and see approach. I'm not, uh, you know, against him as much as Dominic is, but I guess we will just have to stay tuned and find out. Then that uh, Kenny or Christian was supposed to talk with Tony Schiavone, but just like Sting, he doesn't even get cut off because Kenny Omega shows up and he cuts a promo. He puts the heat or he, he says that that was the joke all along that they were never, it was never supposed to be a, an exploding ring. It was just to get Moxley all scared and then blah, blah, blah. So then look like a bunch of idiots in the ring. They call out Eddie. Eddie comes out, they go back and forth. Then they beat down Eddie and then Christian, whatever, 10 months, 10 minutes later, felt like 10 months, finally comes out, stares down with Kenny picks up the title is that where we're going double or nothing i don't know dominic a lot of a lot of aspects to take here i really hope not i mean i if if it is christian or i'm sorry christian cage um if it is mr cage i don't see him winning it that quickly if and my other the other issue i have with it though is you know why is it going to be out of all the other people that are on that fucking roster why are you going with another WWE guy? So as much as I think Christian Cage can do the job, I don't want to see him with the fucking title. We have already had Chris Jericho. Luckily, I mean, Moxley, I can see why, because Moxley is a fucking stud. Great performer, great everything. Jericho, I understand why. Stud, great performer, great everything. But when is it enough? When are they? I mean, yeah, they finally got it right with Kenny non-WWE guy, but they're going to go right back to a WWE guy. It just wouldn't sit right with me. It's just like I know it wouldn't sit right with a lot of other people. So you can have it. Don't let them win it. I think they're teasing it, kind of maybe playing into the fact that people don't want to see the WWE guy get the title shot right away. I think they're going to, they're teasing it, but I think they're going to pull back on it. Maybe Christian gets attacked by somebody. Who is that? I don't know. I would the first name that came to me was Matt Hardy, but I say you stay, you keep Christian away from the other WWE guys, especially Jericho and Matt Hardy. 
and even Moxley to an extent. I know they didn't really cross paths a lot in WWE, but I think you want to keep the WWE guys away from the AEW guys or the, you know, the fresher talent, you would say. So I, I, I don't think they will go to that eventually. I think there is a market. There is a time and a place for that, but I don't think going off the rip is that spot is that time. Then we get the women's match. We get Britt Baker, Nyla Rose and Maki Ito defeating Hikaru Shida, Rio Mizunami and Thunder Rosa. Uh, Loved Maki Ito coming out, got to get her shit in and still singing, even though all the women are brawling. The match itself, not very pretty, but the heels get the win at the end. And next week, we will have the blow-off finisher, unsanctioned lights-out match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, the first ever women's main event in AEW Dynamite. So almost a month and a half into it, and we're finally getting a women's main event, or a year and a half into it, and we're finally getting a women's main event. I'm all for it, but I will not stress this point enough. Ladies, you better hit it hard because you, not to say that you guys are not working hard, but when you guys are mid-card, you guys are having a lot of issues. So you, these ladies better hit it hard and hit, they need to hit a grand slam home run. They need a touchdown. They need to slam dunk it because if they don't, I got a feeling it's going to be shit on for a long time and you probably won't see a main event in a while. Thank you, Dominic, for mansplaining to the women. We appreciate it. We, You're welcome. Am I, identi- my best. am I identifying as a woman now? Breaking news. Anyways. I fucking knew it. Uh, Darby Allen takes on Scorpio Sky to defend his TNT title. And Darby Allen retains in a, a decent match. It was the final match on the show, not the main event segment. Uh, but Darby wins with a little cradle, a small package. And Scorpio Sky kind of soaks in the loss, a little frustration sets in, and he puts in a, an ankle lock, a heel hook on Darby. Sky looks a little conflicted, but also looks kind of happy at what he did. So I guess Scorpio Sky is uh, a heel now. Great. Wonderful. When, uh, when's all of SCU going to turn heel? I don't know. They, they are telling the story that SCU, Kaz, and Daniels, the next loss they have to break up. Maybe Daniels fades away and Kaz is the the veteran baby face, maybe a veteran heel. Or maybe, I don't, know, I don't know, maybe they go down the road of Kaz taking on Scorpio Sky. I mean, this doesn't really do anything for me. Scorpio Sky, he was a vital part early in the year or early in the Dynamite run. I enjoyed the title match he had with Chris Jericho, but then after the fact, he's kind of fallen off and they haven't used him too much. And I don't want to be that guy, but AEW saying that they're all about inclusion and yet they turn another black wrestler heel because mm. they can't Terrible. work out as a baby face. I know hate, they're, hate they're canceled. It. Then in the final segment, we had the inner circle war council. They kind uh, of talk about that. A change is needed. Sam Guevara makes his return, shows some hidden footage about MJF plotting to beat up or, you know, dethrone Chris Jericho and, there's a swerve, bro, and then another swerve with Inner Circle not turning on Jericho, turning on MJF, and then MJF with another swerve, bro, saying that he has his own faction, lights off, lights out, bro. And then we have the new four horsemen, I guess, with Wardlow, FTR, Sean Spears, and Tully Blanchard. Big old beatdown of the Inner Circle. Jericho leaving a bloody mess. He gets put through a table. Big, big ending angle. Uh I like parts of it, but I also hated other parts of it, Dominic. Too many swerves. Well, and that's the thing. It's you can't have a swerve for a swerve because then when you have a swerve, you have to have another swerve for it and it just turns into a big swerve fest. And then we don't want to watch 
what happens next. But I will say I'm happy they finally got over this whole Jericho MGF thing. But once again, now you're going to have inner circle versus whatever these guys are called for how long. And this is going to be to me repetitive kind of like how it was the, uh, what, 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 what's, Oh God, what are they called? What's the young bucks? Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes. Like what's their thing called? I can't remember. Well, this is all elite wrestling. Oh yeah. Elite. So yeah, like you have like the elite versus inner circle. So now you're going to have inner circle versus whatever these dudes are. So it's going to be just, a repetitive mess in my opinion so again, i'm Dominic already saying too many factions too many cults yep. yep and i'm already turned off uh so double or nothing in late may so around we'll just call it like what five weeks four weeks what, i don't know how does math work seven weeks nine weeks 20 weeks i'm just stalling so dominic gets mad at me uh they were supposed to do the war games match with the elite inner circle before the pandemic popped off do we do you think this is what they're building towards or do you think you go with the Jericho MJF singles match. Probably Jericho singles match, most likely. Okay. I, I think I, I mean, I'm not saying they have to do this, but you, you tease the war games, then you didn't do it. Then you did the stadium stampede. I would say maybe go war games at double and nothing. And then you can have MJF and Jericho be a, either a main event on a, whatever their lower level free or pay, free pay-per-views are, or you just have it main event at dynamite. Cause I don't think you can stretch it out to, Full gear is their next show, I believe, unless they have, you know, one of their free online shows. Now let's get into NXT. Apparently, Andrade asked for his release on Monday. Oh, see, there you go. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But will he? But will he get released? Also, put Charlotte in a little sticky situation. But it's Charlotte; she probably won't get any heat. Charlotte, sticky situation. NXT was on Wednesday, and this was kind of a mini takeover. We had two singles, or I guess three title matches on this show. Didn't do that well in the ratings, or at least in the viewership. I kind of understand why they didn't really build it. They didn't have like a name for it, and it was they kind of just have the title matches for the sake of being a title match. But we start off with William Regal with his two game-changing announcements, and he announces that WrestleMania week. The Wednesday and Thursday, it will be a two-day takeover. Dominic, your thoughts on the first ever two-day takeover? I'm not a big fan of this. I think I'm that whole week. I think it's going to be too much WWE content, and I just don't see NXT having the depth to carry a two-day takeover unless it's two two two-hour shows. So my question though is: Is this decision Triple H or is this Vince? I feel like Triple H much rather have one gigantic big blow off than two smaller shows. You know what I mean? So my first thing is who's behind it. And second off, I mean, they can, do, they, they, they can do it. They can put it together some great matches and, you know, a lot of good stories. So I, I think they can do it. So I'm not saying the matches won't be great. I mean, you have some lower level things, maybe Zia Lee is thrown in there. Chomping Thatcher versus Imperium should be a good match. Tag titles, women titles, blah, 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 blah. So I'm not saying they can't fill it out. I'm just saying if it's a takeover, especially the WrestleMania takeover, you should maybe make it a little more prestigious, not have everybody on the show. But it's NXT's WrestleMania. It's got to be just like WrestleMania. Everybody's got to get 
a trophy and get on the show. The other game change announcement was the NXT women's tag team titles after the shenanigans that took place last week. William Regal's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to create my own damn titles. And he just awards them to Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. I'm not going to go too long on this, but you know how I feel about adding more titles to the situation. Not a fan of it. And just on top of that, you hot shot the titles. We can just jump into it. Then Ember Moon and Shotzi come out, kind of challenge them. And then the baby faces win. So after the heels win the tag tag, the tag tournament get fucked over in the tag title match, then they get awarded the titles. And then just 60 minutes later, they lose them. What the hell? It is amazing. Shotzi gets her first title and I'm crying with the girl. Cause this is amazing. But then again, I do agree with you. I, why do you give them the titles just to lose them? It would just be better off to have them be awarded to Shotzi and Ember and then have Dakota and Raquel challenge and lose, in my opinion. So, But in theory, why would Shotzi and Ember be awarded them? Why don't you just say, we're going to have a redo of the finals and then have the match. But then... I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a mathematician. You got a mathematician up in here. All right, then the... Uh, I guess we don't have to go over the tag title match because we already talked about that. The first women's title match of the night, Io Shirai defends her singles women's title against Tony Storm. EO retains, gets the dub ski. The match was, it was okay. It, it wasn't exactly like the top tier that you would expect from these women, but good solid work. And EO gets the win over Tony. I would have liked it to be maybe a more epic match, but I think that's kind of been the story of Tony Storm in WWE thus far. It's, you know, she gets her opportunities, but when push comes to shove, they don't make her the girl. But when will they make her the girl, Brandon? I don't know. After the women's tag title match, they go backstage to Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, and they're kind of, you know, sulking and being very angry about the situation. And then Io steps up to Raquel and saying, I want you next. And that just straight up alludes that at TakeOver, whether that's night one or night two, it's looking like Io versus Raquel, Dominic, What's your thoughts on that? I mean, Raquel obviously deserves it. She's been fantastic these past few months, but do you see her actually winning against EO? Or do you think it's just another giant for her to slay? I honestly think Raquel's going to win. And I think it's going to be due to Dakota Kai trying to do something to help her. And it's going to distract EO and you're going to get your favorite distracted finish, but it's going to be EO losing, not winning. And that's going to be the way that they get the title off of EO. I hope it's not a, I, I really hope it's not a distraction finish. I would be all for Raquel goes in, maybe not wipe the floor with EO, but has like a decisive win over Shirai. And they can go back to the war games where he, she pinned her. And that's probably going to be a point of emphasis as well. But uh, I'm excited to see what Raquel can do in a uh, singles situation. She had a, a stellar hardcore match with Rhea. She's had some good matches with Dakota Kai and tag matches, but a straight up singles match. We will have to wait and see exactly how well she can do. Then we get Pete Dunn defeating Jake Atlas. I mean, solid, good work here from these two guys. I am kind of sad that Jake Atlas, he comes in a little bit of a name, a little bit of a push, and then he gets devalued to kind of the, not the jobber to the stars per se, but he's like, oh, he's still around and he can have a, a decent six-minute match with Pete Dunn, and that's what he's kind of been reduced to. It kind of sucks. And I, I'll so feel like it's kind of like not paying your dues but you know he definitely 
I mean, he's going to get treated like the redheaded stepchild for a while until he gets his push. And he just, I, I think it's great for him to be there. He's just going to have to bide his time until big things happen. But then you have the situation in, in I mean, NXT has become WWE light. You, you bring the person in, you don't treat them like a big deal. They lose. And then you try to push them a little bit later and people don't take them that serious basically what you're saying is that you bring them in they lose and then when you push them you end up losing because you pushed them away and then they go to somewhere else there you go Dominic. now you're starting to get it we get some promos from imperium and leon ruff imperium talking about champa ruff talking about swerve so two middle uh, middle tier feuds kind of lower card tiers in ruff's case but this is what i was kind of talking about i think they're kind of building up these lower level matches to uh, be on these takeover shows yeah and like i said i think they're more than capable to pull off these kinds of things so i mean wasn't wasn't amazing but definitely a good start Uh, then we have the women's tag title match we've already talked about that dominic any like thoughts about where they go from here especially with kai or with gonzalez being on the singles run right now like you you just put the you created new tag titles and now you kind of look around and there's not that many tag teams in the women's division well, because if you look at it, with Casey being injured, there's that one tag team gone. Gonzalez getting a singles push gone. So it looks like unless Zaya Lee does something with somebody. The thing I'm thinking of is you have some, you know, main roster teams that aren't maybe capable of going after Nia and Shayna. Maybe you bring them down to NXT for a couple of weeks, put on a good show. And then you, you unify the titles, even though they've only been a week old, possibly. Uh, Adam Cole has a promo backstage. That was fine. Don spoke about Zia Lee. Zia Lee had a match with Caden Carter, and Zia Lee won, not by pinfall, but by disqualification because Casey Canzaro limps out with a crutch and whacks Zia in the back with it, gets disqualified. Then we get kind of a uh, Casey firing up, hitting Zia with more shots boa makes the save and yeah this was kind of the next step in the xia league character she sold a little bit more for caden but then at the end she was dominating and casey you know fired up and trying to avenge her her friend so maybe we're built into a handicap match or something or another i don't know i don't know either i just love the fact that casey got a little fire in her finally so love to see it down to see a little fire in casey Anyways, Legado del Fantasma takes on Grizzled Young Vets, the battle of the three-letter acronyms. And we almost made it the entire show without a distraction finish, but we got it. Don't hold your breath. We had MSK dressed up as uh, Fandango or Breezango. Fucking did it again. I keep. I think I keep wanting to call him like Fawn Breeze or something like that. But anyways... Uh, we get a distraction finish. Love to see it. Legato Dale Fantasma gets the win. MSK continuing with their little feud with MS or with Grizzled Young Veterans. Prizango continuing their feud with Legato Dale Fantasma. Great. Good shit right there, right? Okay, Vince Jr. Yeah. And finally, in the main event, Finn Balor takes on Adam Cole for the NXT men's title. Strong match, as you would assume, not maybe on par with the O'Reilly and Dunn match that we've seen Balor have in these past few weeks. But we, uh, oh, oh God, once again, people be sending me Instagram photos when I'm trying to do a goddamn podcast. <clears throat> but anyways, Dominic, your thoughts on the main event 
Balor and Cole, just the match itself, and then we can talk a little bit about it, but the ending sequence, but, uh, you know, solid stuff, not the, the higher end of what these two can do, I, I think. I mean, Adam Cole, Finn Balor, workhorses of NXT, definitely. Um, I mean, if they're on the main card, main roster, it would be workhorses of the main roster. They're, they're two people that you can rely on to put on a great match given a moment's notice, let alone a buildup like they had. Um, going, I mean, phenomenal match. I, I Granted, the ending was kind of fucked, but I think no matter what you put these two, you know, no matter what you do with these two, it's always going to be great no matter what. I wholeheartedly agree. I, I mean, they did kind of spam the finishers at the end, but overall the match was good. And then as Mr. X said, Kyle O'Reilly stepped out of his favorite metal ba- metal bar from the 1980s, comes out a uh, heavy beatdown on Adam Cole. He tried to give him the, uh, the receipt, a little brain buster on the steps, but the referees came to stop him. And building up that blood feud, Kieran Cross steps up from behind and Finn Bell was like, what took you so long? So we set up two main men's matches for those takeover shows. And uh, I think bo- both of them, we've already previewed them a little bit. I'm really excited to see what all four of those men can do. I definitely think it's going to be a, uh, <clears throat> a barn burner, maybe a slobber knocker, knocker, knock, slobber knocker. Sorry. I know Jr. I can't, I can't put words together. Oh, JR. But- he had, he had like a sore throat or something at revolution and, for some odd reason, he actually technically got better by the end of the show. Sucking on that Tony Khan dick, bitch ass motherfucker. Anyways, um, but no, I think uh, what are th- these two matches are going to be your main events and they're going to be phenomenal. They will be phenomenal. And that will do it for us for today. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Thank you to Mr. X for sending the questions and Tygunny27 and also our number one fan, Haley, for the statement. We appreciate everybody. Appreciate th- everyone. Th- thank you to Haley. Definitely thank you. To Haley, definitely fuck you for Tyler. Okay, okay. Uh, if you would like to send in a question, our email is curveballandcs at gmail.com. Slide into the DMs on Twitter and Instagram, curveballsandcs at gmail.com. We have a link tree in the description. You click on that, it'll take you to all of our links, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and everything in between. That's been Dominic Cops, and my name is Brandon Tanguma. Right at the 11 o'clock hour, Dominic, we got it in. We talked about everything. Any final words I, for the people? I get to go take a shit and go to work, be closing manager. I'm going to ruin some lives. There we go. And Dominic is going to be so tired by the end of the day, but it was all worth it because he did his favorite podcast in the whole wide world, Curveballs and Chair Shots. Thank you very much. Goodbye and good night. Uh, uh, bye-bye. <laughs>